What is up, everybody? Welcome to a weekend edition of the Run Your Mouth podcast. We are here in studio going live, bringing you all the weekend news. Well, it's not really weekend news. We're going to do some Friday news as well because uh, I partied really hard in the shed and I did not want to wake up early to do one of these. So I didn't. And go follow the Shedcast because uh, the last two weeks have been a lot of fun. And now let's get into the news. Let's start with our lead in story, which is going to be all these truckers. They're clogging up the roads up in Ottawa. They're, uh, they're, you know, wreaking havoc. They're trying to earn their freedom, trying to make sure that they don't have to get vaccinations. And so here I have for you guys a little video footage of uh, the truckers. All right, here we go. And I'm just going to be honest and say, I had no idea that the truckers were this cool. Who would have thought that they were just sitting there the entire... Like, I would think you're good for like one or two of those a day. At some point, it gets exhausting. Otherwise, I mean, that's like a that's like a workout at some point. I mean, that's how... Dude, if you want to learn some great jerking off skills, I bet these truckers are incredible at it. I mean, that's three... They're not... That's nonstop. Unless uh, maybe what they're doing to try and make this seem more annoying than it is... You know, these people are good at propaganda. Maybe they're on a loop where really these guys are just doing this every once in a while. They're making it seem like it's constant. Uh, but I respect the hell out of, I mean, these that that's way more fun than I thought that these people were having. Uh, you're just sitting there. Pretty good. All right. So here's what's going on. This was the big story was that uh, GoFundMe took away the money from the occupation. They're calling it an occupation. Look at me. Even I'm getting suckered by the, uh, by the propaganda. So uh, you have all these people. I didn't even know that GoFundMe, that there was a GoFundMe going. I support the hell out of that. All these truckers, they can't work. So the organizers put up a GoFundMe. They say, listen, we're going to do our part in trying to secure everyone's freedom. We're going to show up in Ottawa. We're going to clog up the streets. We're going to honk our horns. And so people, they donated $9 million, went into that donation. Not bad. And so you know what GoFundMe did? Well, they got a call from the government and they're like, listen, we can't really have these people having financial support. Uh, we need them to get the hell out of the city so we can go back to mandating that people, you know, take vaccines that they don't need. Uh, and so they didn't give them the money. And so the reason why they weren't able to give the money, by the way, this is the big thing with all the, hey, it's a private corporation. Well, the problem is it's not private corporations when uh, the government gets to, you know, control them. And so in attempting to make this protest seem as violent as possible. So here, this is from the article. Of the thousands who joined the trucker protest, three people have so far been arrested, one for carrying a weapon, one charged with mischief under $5,000, and another uttering threats on social media. So what usually when they go to these things, right, they try and make them seem as violent as possible. So the one picture that they were putting up before was the one guy probably who showed up with the Confederate flag. I'm not down there. I don't know the ratio of Confederate flags to uh, I, love conf I love Canada flags, but I'm willing to bet if you just showed up and took one picture, you weren't getting a picture of a Confederate flag flag. I would put my money on that. You want to take the other side of that gamble? I I, I, I put up, a, I, I don't know, what's a reasonable amount of money I, that would make me get vaccinated so that I would show up to Canada, take one random picture just to earn your amount of money? Probably not going to happen. So dumb bet. But if someone else wants to go there, snap a random picture and put up the odds on that, I will be betting that it's not coming back with the Confederate flag. So they're trying to dress this up as being as violent as possible. And so what are their big claims? Uh, of the thousands who joined, three people have been arrested. We don't even know what they've been arrested. One, well, one for carrying a weapon, one charged with mischief under $5,000. We do know what they've been arrested for. It sounds like nothing. And another one for uttering threats on social media. How do you even get arrested for uttering threats on social media? My God, Canada really keeps a wraps on these people. All right, here we go. So they claim this is why they took the money. We now have evidence from law enforcement that previously peaceful demonstrations has become an occupation with police reports of violence and other unlawful activity. And uh, that doesn't even sound like a court of law. So that's all it takes is that the government calls you up and goes, oh, we've got reports or uh, like the one cop can just call you up. and goes, hey, uh, like, where's the fucking evidence? What evidence do they have? Do they have to actually sit down with GoFundMe and go, hey, here's the evidence that the money that's coming in is going to like terrorists or something like, or do they just get to make one simple call, which we all understand that that's how it works, right? They don't want these truckers having financial support. So what do they do? 
They call him up and they say, hey, you got to shut this thing down. So here were the other claims of violence. Because once again, oh, so first what they did was they said, no further funds will be directly distributed to the Freedom Convoy organizers. We'll work with the organizers to send all remaining funds to credible and established charities verified by GoFundMe. And that got my Jew scam brain going where I was like, oh, perfect. So that if we want to get the money to the truckers and basically the trucker association can't take the money directly, they just have to direct it to other charities. So then we can just create the lot lizards for free Canadian trucker blowjobs, where it's a charity that it basically, you know, gives the money to the lot lizards. And then the lot lizards, they go there, they start, you know, sucking off all these guys who are just sitting in their car, honking their horns. They don't have hands free for jerking off. So we got to do everything we can to make sure that they have what they need. Uh, in all seriousness, if you're living out in Canada and uh, you're one of these truckers, hit me up, robsnewsroom at gmail.com. I'd, I'd love to buy you lunch if there's lot lizards out there. You want to hit me up and, you know, get some, get some, I'll, I'll support someone getting sucked off in their car. This is disgusting. I'm live on Facebook right now. My parents, friends, that's the problem with Facebook. You go to like Instagram, you go to your Twitter, you don't run into your parents, friends. You go to Facebook, it's nothing but your grandma and parents, friends. You got to be careful when you go live to Facebook. I might have to remove that from the list, but it's thus far not censored on Facebook. They've been cooler than YouTube thus far. You know, maybe just no one's reported me. Uh, not that I'm giving anyone ideas. All right, let's move on. So that was originally what happened was they said that they were going to take the money. They weren't even going to return it. And then people went way much on that. I mean, but truthfully, if you're supporting terrorism, I mean, if that is the viewpoint of GoFundMe was that money was received that was going to go to violent terrorists, how do you give your money back to those people? Those people might figure out another way to get that money to the violent terrorists. So they should be keeping the money. You really standing by this GoFundMe or what? Supposedly a bunch of Republicans saying that they're going to bring them down to uh, to the Senate to have to answer for this. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, they are returning the money, so we're not going to be able to divert the front the funds to my uh, legitimate charity of Lot Lizards for free Canadian trucker blowjobs. Uh, but, you know, one day, maybe with Christmas, it'll be like a human fund type donation. So. Like I said, they're trying to paint this thing as violent as pers as as possible. Uh, so here, let's read it. There is a sense of lack of safety for anyone who is not Caucasian straight or on board with the protests. All right. How great of a stem? There's a sense of a lack of safety. So is there a lack of safety? Is this truthful in any in, in any way whatsoever? Uh, so great. The article was able to find one person who was able to issue a statement that there's a sense of lack of safety. So it sounds like there's no evidence of the fact that it's unsafe. It's just one person who's saying, and then of course, uh, because they, they needed to find a transgender person just to amplify, uh, I, I guess the feelings of lack of safety. All right, fine. And then here is Trudeau addressing the situation. Let's watch. to be very clear we are not intimidated by those who hurl insults and abuse at small business workers and steal food from the homeless we won't give in to those who fly racist flags All right. So what about all the other people? I mean, there were very few incidents of people stealing food from homeless people or flying homeless flags. So do you feel intimidated by all the law abiding citizens who are there protesting peacefully? Is this Trudeau saying that he's going to give in because there are a lot of reported incidents of violence or otherwise? So uh, it sounds to me like these truckers might win their fight. All right, here was the other article that reported on it, and I just loved the headline on this. It was Ottawa endures increasingly dangerous COVID mandate, protests as freedom convoy blockades leave city on edge. What does that mean, increasingly dangerous? You know, juxtapose that against, uh, um, what was it, mostly peaceful protests? What is increasingly dangerous? There was one more person making threats on social media. I mean, thus far we've had three cases of arrests uh, which, by the way, there was one person who got run over, but it was because some lefty uh, ran over a bunch of people involved in the trucker protest. But let's not talk about that. So we've had three incidents in the report of, of one guy who did $5,000 in property damage. We don't even know what the property damage was. One guy had a knife on him. Doesn't sound like that big of a deal. One guy issued threats. So is there a fourth case that you can even claim that it's increasing? So then this article, it only reports two cases. Police have charged at least four people. Oh, there you go. There's your increase. It went from three to four. The BBC article had three. Here, they were right. That's a, that's a substantial increase. We went from three acts to four. 
with demonstrations and issued about 30 traffic tickets. I mean, that's a lot of traffic tickets. That's about as many unpaid traffic tickets that I have in New York right now because I got red light cameras. Uh, so I don't know that that's newsworthy. And then, of course, a woman's shelter said some residents have admitted themselves to hospital due to the increased trauma from the noise and fear. And how great is socialized medicine that if you're homeless, uh, I guess you can just get into the hospital for, for trauma? And then I found the actual statement from this homeless shelter. Uh, women and staff are scared to go outside of the shelter, especially women of color. I don't know why that is, but okay, we'll just, we'll take them at their word. Believe all women. I guess the, the minorities and the trans people in Canada are being disproportionately affected by this because, uh, I guess without evidence, they feel more uncomfortable and just uh, feelings of more discomfort are reasons why we should put an end to a protest, uh, where I think a lot of people, I mean, $9 million in donations sounds like a fair amount of people must support this protest. So being able so here's the issue. Uh, is that these homeless women are not able to go outside, which is the only reprieve many women experiencing homelessness have, and they can't even do that. Is this homeless shelter keeping homeless women indoors against their will? I mean, what a great, like, if you're, you're really going to the bottom of things that you could potentially complain about when you're trying to figure out everyone affected by a, uh, a demonstration, and you're like, you're affecting the homeless people because they're forced indoors. And if, if the homeless people, if the, the, and how many homeless people are we even talking about? If these five homeless people can't even comfortably be outdoors, we're going to have to put an end to this thing. That's it. Everyone's got to go force vaccinations. There's five homeless people that uh, are feeling uncomfortable and we make all uh, our decisions. By the way, homeless people in Canada must be way less resourceful than homeless people in New York. Homeless people in New York, they, that would be the thing to get the truckers to leave when they're like, man, these people are even more of a pain in the ass than we are. All right, let's go uh, quickly to the uh, comments. Let's see uh, what we got here. Hold on one second. I got to remove this thing from the stream. Just go away. There we go. Someone's just letting us know that they're there. Fire. Hey, buddy, see buddy. When I'm playing uh, videos and holding the mic to the thing, is it coming through somewhat clearly? Let me know. You might have to rewind a little bit to when the uh, things were hocking their horn because I'm going to play more videos in a moment. And uh, you're one of three people here that can tell me whether or not the sound is working. All right, let's get back into it. Uh, of course, we've got Jeffrey Zucker got fired. Well, he didn't get fired from CNN. He stepped down because supposedly he was having uh, consensual sex. And then Don Lemon took that as his opportunity to cry on air and say he was our lawyer leader. We're so sad. He's kept our whole operation together. Ratings are up and down. Uh, and I just want to say that it seems to me that Don Lemon supports inappropriate office romances between higher ups and subordinates. This was his opportunity to speak out against inappropriate sexual relationships in the workplace. Uh, but no, he uh, instead he decided to turn his back on all women who have to deal with higher ups hitting on them at the workplace because it's a power thing. You know, if there's power involved then it's no longer a consensual relationship. I think that's what I remember from uh, from the whole Louis C.K. thing. So maybe Don Lemon's got to do some uh, some deep thinking here because he's not really getting uh, the backs of women who have to deal. And by the way, every time a lady actually legitimately dates a boss, that legitimizes every other time some lady has to deal with getting hit on at work. They create a pathway by which you can point and go, well, look, they're actually dating and in love. So do women not want to be able to find love? And so when you're supporting these office romances, you're actually incentivizing superiors to hit on their underlings because those are the best leads. If someone's an underling, dude, that's your best lead for some fucking pussy. I mean, they, they can't not have conversations with you. So you got an opportunity to win them over. You're, you're holding power. And so really, you never even know if it's consensual. And here, Don Lemon is supporting this. Unbelievable. Uh, next news story, we've got, uh, Pence. And so he makes the statement that Donald Trump was wrong <coughs> because of course, Donald Trump said that, uh, you know, the election was stolen from him. Uh, he warned that it was going to happen and somehow he wasn't able to come forward with a whole lot of evidence. And, uh, he was in charge of the country. So you'd think he'd have the most resources to prove that such a thing had happened to him or, to try and make uh, arrangements beforehand that it wouldn't just be stolen from him. Uh, but, you know, just gets stolen from him. He doesn't quite have the evidence. And he tells Pence, hey, listen, when the thing comes and you're going to validate it, I'm telling you, 
that this thing wasn't won legitimately, so you have to not validate it. And Pence didn't do that. And he was like, yeah, that's not lawful. It doesn't work that way. And so here was Trump uh, responding to him. And of course, his response to Pence was, no, you're wrong. Okay, that's why you're a loser. You don't know. You want to be the most powerful guy. You got to make things up. I've been making things up my entire career. Okay, this is the greatest thing I've ever made up. That's how you path. You make things up. I made the greatest thing up here. And because you're a loser, you didn't get my back. I could, We could have been president, you and me. Okay. And now you're fucking broke. You got nothing. No one wants to hire you. You're never going to be president. You're a loser. Next story is, uh, sadly, uh, Spotify is on the case of, uh, well, the whole Rogan thing's getting a little wacky. But Spotify pulled over 70 episodes of the Joe Rogan podcast. And I'd like to point out before everyone gets all nuts about this, I've had stuff taken down from YouTube for free. So, you know, at least he's getting paid for it. And then from a lazy perspective, Joe Rogan's kind of winning here because he's getting paid the same amount of money to offer even less content. And so from a lazy perspective, you know, if his show is going to be less good because he's getting censored, but he still gets paid the same amount of money in some ways, that means he's still kind of winning. So that's pretty cool. Uh, however, I think all of us would like to see Joe Rogan Go fucking fight this thing. I mean, he's supposed to be the champion of bald men. This is an eater of elk meat, a doer of steroids. Like, because here's the thing. It starts with the, uh, it starts with the apologizing. It starts with letting them censor content. And then the next thing you know, you got to get up in front of the press and go, uh, listen, I apologize. I was addicted to having interesting, honest conversations. And uh, it's come to my attention the way that that's affected our society. And so I'm going to be going to media rehab and I promise that I will change my ways so that I can keep my $100 million paycheck. Uh, all right. One of the apologies they reported as being apology. It wasn't even an apology. Uh, so, you know, and then the second one was about, you know, you get, there's a compilation about using the N-word. You're going to have to apologize. So that one's not a big deal. The fact that episodes are being censored, unless he turns around and goes, well, I didn't even like those episodes anyways. Uh, that one's not great. All right. What else we got here? Uh, oh, this was maybe my favorite thing I've ever seen on the internet. Uh, so let's give it a quick watch. Here's whole crap with this cancel culture and the... Shut up! Shit! Shut the fuck up! Nobody wants to hear it, fucker! You've been talking all fucking week! You don't care what you have to say, just stop talking! You got me right in my fucking head, asshole! Stop! Damn it! All right, so Michael Rappaport, he's outside. He decides he's going to do a little rant. And uh, this is the lesson of this is why you need to be pathetic indoors. If you're going to yell at just about no amount of people on the internet about random topics, that's why you got to invest in a studio. You got to put up soundproof walls so that you, you're protected from the elements and that you can just be pathetic on your own terms. And now what's so sad about this is that he kind of plays a tough guy type character and some guys throws a snowball. He's like, ouch, that hurts. You really hurt me. It's like literally if in the WWF, some guy's filming a fucking wrestling promo and then some camera guy steps on his, oh, you, you stepped on my toe. That's not the toe I do steroids in. So that really hurt. Please don't. You, the, someone got to fire this fucking camera guy because he hurt my toe real bad. Anyways, I watched that like nine times, so I share it with you if, in case you missed it or you're listening to the podcast version. Go YouTube, Michael Rappaport Snowball. People are always saying that I look and sound like the guy, which uh, I'm okay with, but if you throw a snowball at me, I'll probably do the same thing, which is why I broadcast indoors. So, Michael, I pass this forward to you. Just be pathetic indoors. That's the better way to approach this. All right, next story. Uh, this one's great. I love this. So I don't know who this guy is. Maybe like Fauci's got a boss and it's this guy and that this guy's actually the head vampire. Like I thought Fauci was the head vampire. And then I thought that lady at the CDC was like kind of right behind him. But you got this dude with a mustache who uh, he is uh, Eric Lander, uh, who's the. I don't know, I think uh, based on the headlines, he's like one of the head people at the Oval Office or in the administration uh, for dealing with Corona. And he had to apologize uh, for conduct. Um, apparently he was creating a hostile work environment. Now they didn't give us any, they didn't give us any idea. They didn't, they didn't tell us what he was. He showing his dick to people. Was he hitting on people? Was he yelling a bunch? Was he making it an unsafe work environment for women or minorities? Was he walking around going, listen, I'm white. You're not. So we're going with what I said. 
We don't know what he was doing. They don't tell us any of this information. They just say that Biden's going to walk back his zero tolerance policy and that this guy was making a hostile workplace and that he apologized for it. That's all the information that they gave us. But now I do have a question. We're trying to follow the science. And can the best science possibly be coming from a hostile workplace? Have all of us been operating our workplaces in the wrong way where we haven't made them hostile enough and so we're not making the best decisions? Because if yelling at people works, right, if that's the way that you can make the best policies and that you could have the best science, then the White House should be letting us know, hey, you need a yelly guy at work. You need someone who's going to be yelling at everybody because that's the way you get shit done. That's how you end up with the best science. So I feel like it's up to Biden. He should be getting out there and addressing the nation, letting us know uh, is hostile workplaces the best environment to produce the best possible science that everyone should be making decisions around. I feel like that's fair enough. I feel like they could at least give us that information. Uh, and then on the same note, this is congressional staffers launched unionization push with Democrat support. And are we saying that the government was incapable of fairly treating its employees? I mean, the government's supposed to be the most moral of institutions. And if we put them in power, they should be able to take care of us, but are their own employees unable to be properly cared for without having to be in a union? Here we go. Let's read a little piece. The public announcement comes amid a growing reckoning with poor conditions for congressional staff. Anonymous posts have flooded social media accounts dedicated to staff for voices, detailing horrific pay, long hours, and discrimination accusations. Some Hill employees say they have to rely on food stamps to survive in the pricey nation's capital. Look at that. Government can't even support its own workers, and yet they want more money from us, pretending that they can support us. They can't even uh, they can't even support the people that are supposed to work for them. Now, here we go. We've got a statement from AOC who said on Capitol Hill, interns are offered an unpaid. Many staffers don't make a living wage and lack of work protections can pave the way for unhealthy environments. And she feels so bad about this. She's going to give part of her salary to no. She's, she's volunteering our money. You know why? Because when she shows up to work and she gets to wear designer dresses and be rich, it's awkward being around other poor people. She doesn't like that. It's really weird when you got to show up to work. Who wants to be around poor people? So she's volunteering our money to make sure that she doesn't have to show up to an office with, uh, with less fortunate people because they got bad attitudes. And when I show up to work, I want everyone to be all smiles because they get paid and don't really need to work. And then here was a statement from uh, Nancy Pelosi who said that uh, staff have the right to organize their workplace and join together in a union if and when staffers choose to exercise that right, as long as they don't engage in insider trading in a way that gets in the way of Nancy's profits, they would approve. They would have Speaker Pelosi's full support. So there you have it. Nancy, as long as you're not going to step on uh, her business model, which is uh, insider trading, she doesn't care if you guys get paid more. It doesn't really affect her. Uh, now we've got the Beijing Olympics. You've already got reports of uh, people just being snagged, like you got reporters there, and they're trying to report on it, and then they're just getting picked up by the uh, CCP. Uh, now the CCP, they issued a statement. They said he's already been safely returned to his home country with most of his organs. So, you know, no one, no one should be concerned about this. The guy's been returned home. Uh, I almost think Maybe we've been sold to false bad goods with the CCP because they seem very polite to this guy. It's not like they just take him, shove him in a van and throw him into a camp with a bunch of wiggers, you know? Maybe those wiggers are being treated nicely because this guy, it almost seems respectful. It's like the, the guy doesn't use any kung fu on him. We know that the guy knows kung fu. He doesn't even look like he's in shape. He doesn't seem like he's that much of a badass. <clears throat> they don't they don't really do anything that terrible. So maybe all the news we've seen on China is just pure propaganda. All right. Now here. You know, everything before this were the bullshit stories. This is the lead-in story to our primetime Sunday investigative piece. Maybe every weekend we'll do one big investigative piece, and we're about to do it. Before we do, why don't we take a second? We can plug our sponsors, Yo Kratom, home of the $6 kilo. You want to know how you can take have the focus and time and energy to sit down and do deep dives like this? Well, if you're over the age of 21, you take yourself some Yo Kratoms, and you can sit there. You can read through all the news, but you're not going to be able to sit in a chair and read through news unless your balls are properly in place, secure. Otherwise, you just sit there. Just, just, it, 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 it. 
So go to sheathunderwear.com. Use promo code RYM. You get 20% off. And then you're nuts. They're they're firmly supported. Your dick's in a dick hole. You're not even thinking about going out and getting laid because it's already warm and supported. And then you can sit there and you can do investigative pieces. So I know you guys don't even know who Emily Raskin is. You're like, what the fuck's this guy talking about? Who's this fucking Emily Raskin person? And I like to define all women by the man that they're married to. So she's the wife of uh, this dude. Now, you might not remember this dude. Uh, he was a big voice in uh, the Senate uh, when they uh, what's the, when they impeached Donald Trump, right? And uh, first is, I have a disdain for people with a full head of hair that just mock bald men by wasting their hair with the ugliest of all looks. I, I feel like they're mocking me. God gave you a gift of beautiful hair, and you could be showcasing beautiful hair, but instead, this guy, you know like in Barber's when you show up and you, you like pick out the picture of what you want to look like? This guy, it looks like he showed up and he's like, can you make me look more like a sewer rat? And that's just one of his hair looks. Here, let's look at some other styles he's rocked. This is the uh, Junior Pippi Longstocking. Um, this is like the the Piachet pube thing, which I feel like that's almost solidarity for bald men, where you're like, listen, I'm going to make it look like I glued on pubes too, so you don't have to feel bad about yourself for being follically challenged. Uh, and here he is. This is when he was uh, leading the charge of the Democrats when they were impeaching Donald Trump. Uh, they were going all nuts where they're like, hey, remember when Donald Trump was the worst guy ever because he got away with working with the Russians because we prefer a president who's going to pretend like we're going to go to war with the Russians. So she's married to this guy. Makes me think that they're like some uh, ultra leftist Jew power couple. And just to put a little bit of perspective on this, I remember last year, maybe it was two years ago at this point, uh, Trump wanted to get someone on the Federal Reserve that was talking about the gold standard. And I thought that was interesting. I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Didn't even get off the page. Like, it just didn't happen. People were like, no way in hell. So let's understand that you can have opinions, point of view. And it was interesting because she was a lady. The only way you get anyone anywhere in a position is you got to find yourself a lady. So Trump found himself a lady and uh, has opinions that, you know, are not mainstream, instantly gets canned, does not get off the page from what I remember. <clears throat> so this Raskin lady, the reason why people are making such an uproar about her potential nomination is that there was an op-ed piece in the New York Times. Why is the Fed spending so much money on a dying industry? And I selected all sorts of things. I, by the, the key quotes, I'm too lazy to read them. So we're just going to read the last one. The decision to bring oil and gas into the Fed's investment portfolio not only misdirects limited recovery resources, but also sends a false price signal to investors about where capital needs to be allocated. It increases the likelihood that investors will be stuck with stranded oil and gas assets that society no longer needs. Okay, so remember, I don't know if you guys do remember, but there was a giant Wall Street bailout which happened just at the beginning of the coronavirus. It was shady as all hell because they were already basically bailing out Wall Street when it came to everything going on with the repo market. And then all of a sudden, when they gave us checks, they gave a shit ton of money over to the big banks. And now she's saying, all right, if we're going to give money over to the big banks, let's give them the money, but let's make sure that it's not going to oil and gas. So one, I mean, this is pure fucking socialism where it goes, hey, we're going to have money, but only for certain things right? We're going to make uh, top-down decisions. We're not going to let the market decide. We're going to make decisions that we need money going into things like windmills and whatever. All right, fine. So she's a socialist. She wants to use the Fed in order to further economic policies that are essentially socialism. But then she also is clearly dumb. Let's go with dumb because she seems to think that we're like that green energy will actually work and then investments in fossil fuel are a waste because this lady, if you listen to her, she would, she would have us all starved to death. She does not understand. So in other words, she knows, by the way, she's being dramatic. She knows that we can't just get off of fossil fuels tomorrow. She knows that giving money to the fossil fuels as a bailout is not any worse of a use of our capital than any of the other dumb places that this thing is going. Also, the fact, and this is going to become ridiculous because as it is, the, the Federal Reserve does exist with favoritism because it gives money to the banking industry. So to pretend like the Federal Reserve is not making decisions about the allocation of capital and picking one industry, no, no, it gives money to the banking industry. It literally has chosen the banking industry. That is an industry, and it's decided to backdrop every bank so that they can counterfeit money on end, like, don't pretend like there's no favoritism from the Fed. The very existence of the Fed is a favoritism to the big banks. And then also her fucking talking about price signals. All right, if we're concerned about price signals in the market, how about the Fed stops do, uh, manipulating the interest rate or choosing the interest rate? 
Yes, I agree with you. We need better price signals so that the society <laughs> understands where to better divert its resources. And the very existence of the Fed is fucking that up. All right, let's continue. Let's read a little bit more here. All right. Stranded oil and gas assets the society no longer needs. It also forestalls the inevitable decline of an industry that can no longer sustain itself. There you go. Oil and gas, they're, they're, they couldn't sustain themselves. The product of oil and gas is so useless and they cannot possibly have profits or run themselves in a profitable way that if it wasn't for the Fed stepping in and giving money to the oil and gas industries, oil and gas, we wouldn't even use them anymore. They would have they would have gone under. Uh, Saudi Arabia would just close down their country. Let's continue. And finally, it undermines urgent efforts to counter surging carbon dioxide and methane emissions, which are bringing us closer to the catastrophe of an unlivably hot planet. Now, if this lady does believe that we are doomed, that the planet's going to become hot and unlivable, then I hope even once she's elected, I hope she'll do everything she can to counter it. I mean, we should basically use the Fed to just give all the money to green energy because you're saying we're all going to die tomorrow. Like, do you really have a perspective that the world is going to become unlivably hot tomorrow? What evidence do you have of that? And if that's honestly what you believe, why is your life's work not preventing that? Why are you going to work at the Fed? If you don't believe that the Fed can stop the world from becoming unlivably hot tomorrow, why would you go and work there? Wouldn't you want to solve this unlivably hot planet situation? Or if you really think everyone's going to die tomorrow because the planet's going to become unlivably hot, so then I would hope that you would do something illegal to divert resources to save us. Are you saying that you want us, you think we're all doomed to die and we should just be doomed to die? I don't even understand this perspective. Let's read a little bit more. The decision to bring oil and gas into the Fed's investment portfolio not only miscredits limited recovery resources, but also sends, oh, that's what I already read. Given the size and scope of government intervention, we should be maximizing the public's return on our investment. The Fed's unique independence affords it a powerful role, role, and its mandate includes ensuring both the stability of the financial system and full employment. There you go. The stability of the financial system. There, there's favoritism right there. I'm getting ahead of myself. You guys are like, I'm foreshadowing. You know, it's like a narrative device because you guys are all like, what the fuck's this guy talking about with the favoritism? Don't worry. It's going to become relevant. Just give me a couple minutes. Climate change threatens financial stability. Addressing it can create economic opportunity and more jobs. The decision the Fed makes on our behalf should build toward a stronger economy with more jobs and innovative industries, not prop up and enrich dying ones. All right. So what I'll agree with her is I don't think we should have bailed out anybody. Uh, and let's take a look into what that bailout looked like. Oh, here was one other thing. This is from an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal. No on Sarah Bloom Raskin. Last summer, she advocated using the Fed's stress test to penalize banks that serve fossil fuel companies. She also urged the Fed to use... Uh, to use its risk-based capital standards to drive capital away from oil and natural gas firms towards sustainable investments. So this is a person who's going to go into the Federal Reserve, and she thinks that the world is about to die tomorrow. It's going to become unlivably hot. And so what we need is for us to divert resources. All right. Now, here's what I think. Oh, let's read some of her responses. We're going to watch the video in a minute of when she was being grilled by a couple. I couldn't find the entire video. I could only find two uh, Republican senators who grilled her. But this is from Climate Wire. And let's read a little bit of how she responded when people were saying, hey, it seems to us like you're looking to politicize the Fed and that we can't put you in there because you're making decisions that nobody voted on. And the Fed should not be making decisions about where capital is being allocated. So here's what she said. It's that banks choose their borrowers, not the Fed. As such, it's not the role of the central bank to pick winners and losers among different sectors. So let's take a step back. One, they already do that because they pick the banking sector every time that they give money to banks. They've literally picked the banking sectors. I mean, they're owned by the big banks and they're there so that they can counterfeit money and that they can never go insolvent. And every time that there's an issue, they bail them out. Okay, fine. Then she says, it's not the role of the central bank to pick winners and losers among different sectors. I mean, I, there's going to be, I, I can't, off the top of my head, I can't think of it, but there's more examples of them literally, I mean, they pick winners and losers. That's what they do. They give money to certain industries and then other industries, they don't. The last time around, they basically bailed out BlackRock, which we're going to look at in a second, when they uh, gave them funds to buy high yield bonds. High yield bonds are just junk bonds. That's a different name for junk bonds. 
Uh, all right, let's continue. Second, she said financial regulation must be collaborative. And third, financial regulation is constrained by laws that confine the Fed's work to monetary policy and financial regulation. I've never deviated from these principles guiding our regulatory and supervisory process. And I can't think really of a single moment when anyone would accuse me of having deviated from them. So she's basically saying, listen, there are laws in place. And because of the laws in place, the Fed is supposed to work on monetary policy and financial regulation. And because of these laws, there's no way that I could possibly even implement like, in other words, you, you got me. I would like to implement uh, something where we save the world because I think it's imminently going to die. And you're right that unelected officials shouldn't be able to just make decisions like at the Fed with our money to prevent such things, but not to worry because there's no way that I could possibly do these things. It's against the law. But now BlackRock, here's what's interesting. So one, they were the biggest beneficiary in the last time the bailout came around. Why? Because all the SPV money, special purpose vehicle, was given to them. As you're going to see in a second, the Fed is not allowed to just go and give money to buy bonds. They had to create a special purpose vehicle to do that. But before we get there, so there's also a way that you can rig the system in that she's basically saying it's a two-step process. All the Fed does is it gives money to the banks and then we don't pick winners and losers, except you're giving it to a bank and you get to decide what bank you're giving it to. So in this past case, when they did a bailout, they gave the money to BlackRock, right? Now, what's the issue with giving the money to BlackRock? Is BlackRock, they're the ESG people. And so what are the ESG people doing? You can see it right here. This is from the New York Times. Exxon's board defeats signals the rise of good social good activists. Essentially, uh, and from what I remember, this was more just BlackRock's doing. Uh, the New York Times is giving more credit to a engine number one hedge fund that then BlackRock joined with. I believe BlackRock has more assets under uh, like more money invested in things than anyone else. I think they have like nine or $10 trillion. And so, so powerful with so much money that they were able to force ExxonMobil to basically go on a greener path. And now, but this isn't just like totally independent of nothing. It's also because the Fed bailed them out. Like, would they be in the same position with this much money under management if they didn't have the relationship with they, that they did with the Fed? And so, fine, you could go, hey, listen, I work at the Fed and we don't make these decisions. We just give money to the banks. Yeah, but what banks are you giving it to? Are you giving it to the banks that are involved in this fucking forced socialism stuff that we didn't vote on? Like, it's a very easy, like, thing. Well, oh, I'm just over here. And by the way, this is literally what they did with the special purpose vehicles. So this is from Wall Street on Parade. They do the best coverage on this stuff, and they broke it down. The Fed, it's in their charter. They're not allowed to just give money to BlackRock, and they're not allowed to just go ahead and uh, buy up bonds and bail people out of their bad investments. So they created a special purpose vehicle that then gave the money to these people to go do these things. They just created a financial instrument to go do what they weren't allowed to do. So the Fed, two things. One, let's take it a step back. There is favoritism because they give money to the banks. So off the bat, they're bailing out the banks and they've picked a winner, a winning sector. It's the banks, right? Two, even amongst the banks, they get to pick what banks they're going to work with. And that can some, in some ways then dictate policy of the winners and losers of where that capital goes. Like it, all right. And then third, they can fucking, even within their own constraints and supposed laws, they can just step around them at any time. All right. So now that we have an understanding a little bit of how the Fed operates. Let's listen to a. F There's only two videos. If you guys can find more videos of this lady being grilled, send me an email, robsnewsroom at gmail.com. Uh, first one is from uh, Kennedy. Now, I think I've spoken about Kennedy on the show before. I love this guy. If, if I was casting a movie in which it was 200 years ago and I needed the one senator who was going to be like, well, what do you mean we can't have our slaves? That's not the way, like, he just seems like the, I'm, he's a nice guy, I'm sure. And I actually enjoy him at every one of these and he's sharp, but there's just something about his accent that makes him seem like he just wants to own slaves so badly. He seems like the world's most racist Southern lawyer that's ever existed in the history of the world. Like I said, this is just me being bigoted. I'm sure he's a nice guy and I'm sure he doesn't have those perspectives. And I actually think he's a lot of fun to watch at every one of these. So let's watch him here. I mean, did you mean it? You said it. Here it is. Biggest Dallas. I read the op-ed. You said, save everybody but the oil and gas industry. Let them go broke. Did you really mean that? So I have been clear on my views. 
the whole point of the op-ed was that the Fed should not pick winners and losers. Except for that one day. She said they ought to be allowed to go vote. The Fed should not pick or favor any sector at all. Then why did you say that? The Fed is not in the business of choosing winners and losers. Then why did you recommend to them that they, they let oil and gas go broke? I did not recommend this way. Well, I read the op-ed. There I, it is. It's, uh, I'm not going to quote it to you, but Senator Toomey pointed out. Why did, did you mean it? Senator Kennedy, I want you to understand the role of the the proper role of the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve should not be choosing winners and losers. So you disagree with the editorial? The editorial was one that I wrote, and I wrote it in the context of the Federal Reserve's emergency lending facility. This was a special program set up by the CARES Act, by the Congress, that appropriated... So you got to pause here. So, okay, so within the context of the Fed, when they do a special CARES Act, do you think that in those times that we should favor certain industries? Because this isn't the last time that the Fed bails somebody out. Like that's probably, by the way, if you look at when the Fed hands monies to people, it's I'm sure it's astronomical amount of money just when we do these bailouts. Like I'm sure we didn't give a lot of money over to like in the last, when we bailed out Goldman Sachs and through AIG the last time, how often are we giving money over to insurance companies? Well, once every 20 years, but when we do it, it's a giant sum of money. She's playing a little fucking trickery here. Well, she goes, well, that's not the role of the Fed. I was just saying it in. The, yeah, but in the instances when they do that, firstly, they shouldn't be doing it whatsoever. It should not exist. If, however, when the government decides that they are going to bail out industries, we're going to pick which industries they do and don't bail out. And especially we're not going to bail out ones that like we well, I don't really think any of these industries need a bailout. And if we are bailing them out, let them fucking fold. The industries don't need a bailout. It's just particular people that might. The market would correct it. Gas is not going out of business. Even if ExxonMobil theoretically had, uh, I, I, I don't know, bonds that it couldn't pay, which wouldn't make sense, we're not going to run out of oil tomorrow. Someone will figure out how to get us oil. Warren Buffett's got enough money that if every other oil producer folded, he could figure out within two days how to become the next oil tycoon, and we would not just be out of oil. There's demand for oil. Oil's a good product. It's available. Saudi Arabia would figure out how to get it to us. But all I'm pointing out is that this is a buffoonery from her. Well, she goes, well, that's not the role of the Fed. I was just talking about in this particular instance when they were doing something. All right, well, what about the next time that they do that? Well, fine. So the, the Fed did something that was outside of its role. So when it does something that's outside of its role, which it's been doing a lot of with massive amounts of money, uh, are you advocating that we should favor certain industries over other? It's a nice little trick she's pulling. Let's continue. Money. This was a, an issue quite unlike the issue of the supervision. And you said don't give the money to the oil and gas. Let them go broke. Because, in my opinion, they're bad for the environment. See, I, I want you to understand the context for that article. This had that article had to do with, and it had, did not have to do with supervision and regulation. No, that Graham, had you do, said it. You ought to own it. Okay, you ought to own it. I'm sorry. You said it. You ought to own what you said. And I respect you more if you did. Let me, let me move on to this business of allocating capital. Now, look, this is America. You can believe what you want, and I mean that. But I don't agree with your mission to politicize the Federal Reserve. I don't get the Federal Reserve should be politicized either. Well, well, then why did you say it? Why did you say in this June 2020 piece, quote, federal regulatory bodies should allocate capital? It is not the role of the Federal Reserve in supervisory or regulatory matters functioning as... Then why did you write it? It was written in a context, Senator, that had to do with emergency lending. It did not have to do with the context of supervision. I mean, it's it's so, I feel strongly about charter schools. All right, so once again, the follow-up question he misses is, so what about the next time we do emergency lending? If we're in an emergency, according to your definition, and you think that we have to engage in lending... Do you think that we should let some industries that are crucial for our survival collapse while other industries such as green windmills and whatever? And by the way, let's define fucking emergency. 
You want to go re go read David Stockman's book. It's one of the best chapters of any book I've ever read where he talks about in the last bailout when they tried to pretend like the entire banking system was going to fold. It wasn't. They were bailing out AIG's profits. Look at the emergency super, like everything they've done when it comes to fucking Corona. Has it been an emergency in the way that they've needed to take away our freedoms and send people checks in the mail and institute socialism who gets to define emergency. So the next time that there's a supposed emergency and the fed is going to give out money within that context, would you stand by your words? Okay, well then you shouldn't have this job. And also it showcases the fact that you're trying to figure out what you can do to implement socialism, because as you've said, you seem to think that the world is going to die tomorrow. That's the question I would ask you. Do you think that the world's going to end if we don't intervene? Then what are you going to do to stop it? Well, what do you mean you're not going to do anything? You think the world's about to end. All right, let's watch one more video, and then I think I've yelled enough for one day. Uh, this was supposed to start way later. It's not an executive order. It's not a decision by the Federal Reserve. The decisions we make here in, in too many instances, Republicans will set aside the, the process to get the result. The Democrats set aside the process to get the result. And it's not always about the result because the process is what makes us a free nation. So I, I need greater assurance than what you're attempting to give me that you will not use the Fed to diminish the role of the energy sector or any other private sector. I don't look at this any differently than if you came here to tell me you were going to use the Fed to promote an industry. You are neutral in what is a legal business in this country. And in my view, you have no opportunity, none, to try to discourage the oil and gas industry from existing or prospering just like you have no authority to decide that when we want solar energy or wind energy, we're going to promote it by regulations of our financial institutions. I, I need, and I'm troubled by what Chairman Powell said in response to the chairman in his uh, questioning, that the chairman is going to defer to you, Ms. Raskin, on this topic. Every, and you said in response to the question uh, of Senator uh, from Nevada, you responded that it takes all of you to make a decision. No one can do it. And so I'm troubled by any of the nominees who have the belief that there is a path by which you can regulate a legally authorized existing business. Uh, that's an issue for the political process. And if we talk about transition, you all talk about transition. Uh, you know, the transition is... I'm going to fast forward a little bit. I mean, that if you want to go uh, watch this entire thing, uh, he does bring up or he articulates very well the issue of people at the Fed as opposed to a different process making decisions about where capital gets allocated, which is essentially, as I've said, we're taking socialist values and we're implementing them without uh, people wanting it or voting on it. All right. So I want to get to a particular moment if I can find it, which is a little bit later on. Uh, let's see if we can grab it. You know, the transition is societal shifts. Uh, right, we're at the exact moment that I just went away from. All right, it's right after this. I'm going to fast forward to when he asks his question. Is there any path for you to accomplish that 
as a member of the Federal Reserve? I certainly have not explored that and would imagine there is no such path. All right, here's why that's unacceptable. The question needs to ask is, will you be exploring? It's not, have you figured it? Because of course, if she has, she's not going to answer that. It's, it's, and what we saw with the SPV, which has yet to be investigated, no one's looked into that, was they, it's against the charter, the Congress charter that she just referenced that tells them what they can and can't do. According to my understanding, not a total legal expert, as much as I pretend a lawyer on the show, don't even understand the Fed that well. But they're not allowed to buy bonds. So they created a special purpose vehicle. They, they managed to just skirt that law. How many other laws are they skirting on a, on a daily basis? I could go read more of the Wall Street on parade. I'm sure they're breaking a whole bunch of laws. So the question is not, do you currently, it's, are, do you actually think that the climate's going to end tomorrow? Do you think that the government needs to do more, to do more uh, about global warming? And while you're at the Fed, are, are you promising us that you will do nothing to use the Fed? to possibly uh, favor green energy and other industries over oil and gas? Uh, because the answer is, she's basically going, well, I don't know a way to do that. Yeah, yeah, because you're not there yet. So you could just as easily get the job and create some other new special purpose vehicle where you do exactly what everyone's saying you're going to do. And really the question is, you wrote a piece here and you could say it's within a certain context, but it seems to show that your attitude is that the Fed needs to take action to address global warming. Do you still believe that to be true? Well, then what changed? Why is it that you thought before the Fed did need to take action on this, and now you don't? Like, it's not so much, like, did you manage to make it a very technical conversation? Well, it was in the context of that specific thing. Yeah, but that's going to happen again. You think that's the last bailout they're ever going to do? And do you think, uh, are you going to be looking for a way so that you can implement this policies? have an idea for me i mean I, I i i'm not sure i see any any attempt in um any supervisory context or within the existing mandates of the uh federal reserve that has been set up by congress to do anything that would well i can see one Hey, global warming is an emergency. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to use emergency funds to fund green energy, which uh, will obviously not solve any problem and they'll just be robbing us of our wealth. And guess what? That would be another emergency spending measure. So it'd be outside of the context of the supervisor and regulatory stuff that you just spent 20 minutes saying, hey, my job is within this context. Well, what about that other context when there's an emergency? And what about when you can just label that the climate's an emergency? This lady's full of shit. Uh, and, uh, don't think this is the end of them trying to take over the, I mean, the feds already taken over. You got to take a step back. Like when they got mad at these guys that they were profiting off their trades, that's what the banks are doing with the fed. So this entire thing is a fucking goof. It's a goof. And it's part of the illusion that the fed has not already been hijacked by a private industry. Uh, but I guess at least that private industry, I don't know. They, I, I, well, I guess they're not in the, in the, uh, allocation of capital. So fine. I guess some other jackasses will get their money on the honeypot and who really cares. And so maybe I've been yelling about nothing for the last 45 minutes. I'm playing into their stupidity of that. The fed is a free and good institution when it isn't. Uh, but to me, this is more, it, you know what it is? It's, this is more money going into censoring of people like me. This is not that far away from, Hey, we're not allowed to have certain opinions. Hey, uh, we need to be promoting more minorities all the time. White people shouldn't even have jobs. Like this gets like closer and closer to that reality. And uh, when you realize you don't have a good ending, you got to like just ramp up on scare tactics. You got to go really like, hey, you better act yesterday or things are going to be really bad. But that's our episode. Thanks to uh, Yo Kratom Sheath. It's the uh, Sunday edition of I Was Home All Weekend. Deep dive, investigative reporting. We're going to do more of that. I'm not sure. Uh, and uh, that's it. Later, dudes.